Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, today we're starting a whole new series that we are uh, referring to called to do this in particular. We're going to talk about the, the life of the home, of the family. The next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about parenting and uh, the role that God has called us to as parents. If uh, you're here today and you would say, well, I'm not a parent, I would encourage you. You are still a person of great influence. If you'd say, well, I'm in that grandparenting phase, then I think this is incredibly relevant. We're going to look at scripture today. It's going to be practical for all of us. I came across a, an article in the last couple of weeks, and it caught my attention because I knew I'd be preaching this message and it was about names that parents wanted to give their children, but were not allowed to. And it, it mentioned this from all over the, the world, like there's different places that you, you have to, you, you, you give the name you wanna to give to your child, and then the, the local authorities or the national authorities are able to say, no, you can't name your child that. In fact, I was interested to find out that in, in quite a few countries, there is a list of approved names that you can use, and if you want to use a name outside of that, you have to get like formal approval. Isn't that interesting? It's for good reason. Because sometimes parents want to do something they think is a good idea that's not a good idea, right? These are names that were banned, where different countries said, and I've just got the names, I won't give you all the countries and stuff, but here's just some names, where, where people were told, no, you cannot name your child that. The one at the top of the list, Lucifer. That's a good idea, right? <laughs> Right? And then, and then people, I don't know what they're thinking. These are names people wanted to give their kids. Nutella, Ikea. Wouldn't that be a hard child to figure out? <laughs> Ikea. You spend your whole life putting him together. Robocop. <laughs> Robocop was one. Facebook was one. Pluto was one. This was one. Somebody wanted to name their little girl Cyanide. Isn't that interesting? They said, no, that's going to do emotional damage. And I thought, well, that's... True. And then the one that, that got my attention, in the nation of Iceland, you are not allowed to name your child Harriet. Okay. Not exactly sure why, but Harriet is off limits because sometimes you think you got a good idea and maybe you don't. That's how I approached this message. I'd, I'd been looking forward to this one. You know, it was kind of a shift from where we'd been the last few weeks, and, and I was kind of excited about this topic. And I said to myself, and if you're, if you're, if you're creative, like if you, if you communicate in any way or you have these opportunities, there's these times where you go, this one, this one's going to be a masterpiece. In all humility, of course, this one's going to be a masterpiece. <laughs> right? I am going to put a message together on parenting that is going to answer all your questions and meet all your needs in 45 minutes or less. And you just thought to yourself, when was the last time you only went 45 minutes? That was what you just thought. I know, I know, I know. And then God had a different idea. And I was like, God, wouldn't it be a great idea if I wrote a masterpiece? He said, yeah. Or how about this? Chad, how about you just stand up there and give a simple word of encouragement? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 90. And I really believe that what God wants to do today, one verse we're going to unpack today. We're not going to try to... Um, answer every question you might have, but especially, and I, I believe this is for everyone, but especially for those of you who are parenting. In particular, if you have under your roof right now children that God has entrusted to you as a grandparent or as a parent that you are, you are raising, you are speaking life into them in this moment, then I believe this is a word of encouragement for you 
today. We're, we're going to look at some, some illustrations of these principles from the life of King David. However, this psalm, the, the Bible tells us, wasn't written by David. We believe that it was written by Moses. Just the first verse, here's what he says. Psalm 90, verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. As we talk about our homes in these next few weeks, think of it from this perspective. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Real simple, I I just wanna unpack a couple of thoughts that are here, three actually. Here's the first one. Number one is that he is our Lord. That God, number one, is our Lord. And if you need a word of encouragement today, it's a pretty simple one. He is our Lord. Now, if you're going to talk about what does that mean when you say that, there's a couple of thoughts that come to mind. If he is our Lord, then the first thing we need to see is that the Lord, our creator, is who he is. He is the Lord, our creator. He's the one who created us. He's the one who made us. He is the one who is in control. Now, if you were around for the Sunday Drive series, when we were going through the book of Ecclesiastes back last fall, this word creator popped up over and over and over and over again. We, we saw this because Solomon uses that term creator consistently to speak about who God is. So I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because we spent a lot of time on this, but one of the things I want you to note is that if he is the creator, then that means that he is the one who made everything. Everything. He is the one who knows how everything works. He is the one who understands everything. Ultimately, he's the one who's in control of everything. So if he is the creator and we are the creation and we get that framework in our mind, that changes the way we look at things, doesn't it? Because it takes some of the pressure off of us because he's the creative one. He, he's the one who made us. It also changes the way you look at the world around you, which could be really helpful right now because right now, 2020 is a pretty interesting time. You not only have all the, 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 the regular stuff, but then you've got financial crisis that some people see. You've got political things that are all that some people see. And then have you heard of our new friend COVID-19, have you? Right, the coronavirus story is everywhere, and, and rightfully so. I mean, thousands of people who have been infected, thousands of people who have died And what it leads to is an opportunity for people to speculate in so many different ways. There's so much that's unknown. There's so much you're not sure about. And you wonder, how is this going to affect me where I live to the point that a lot of people are filled with fear and chaos? True? Calvary's a part of a fellowship of churches called the Assemblies of God, thousands of churches worldwide. And our our general superintendent, the the, the pastor who is the leader over all of our churches is, is, is Pastor Doug Clay. And if you've been around Calvary for a while, you know that Pastor Clay was our pastor here in Toledo from 97 to 2004. And, and he made a statement this, this week. He actually made a request that Assemblies of God churches would take time in their services to pray about this epidemic and what we're seeing happen around the world. He in particular gave us four prayer points that I thought were really helpful for us to consider. That as we pray during this season, when so much of what we hear and see is is kind of tainted by this, this, this uncertainty about this virus, four things that he brought up. One was this, that we should respond based on faith and not fear. That's a good word, isn't it? That we put our trust and confidence in the Lord. He also asked that we pray for those who have been impacted by this, those those who have fallen sick, those who have passed away, the uh, families of of those people, and that we would uh, lift them up to the Lord. He also said, and this was really interesting to think about, that we would pray for our missionaries around the world. 
Because we have missionaries who have found themselves in places where they're in isolation. We have found missionaries who have, have planned out things that have had to be postponed or canceled, a lot of changes that have happened, and many that, that were in different places where they've had to evacuate and come home and leave the places where God has called them to serve. And lastly, he encouraged us to pray and remember that our hope is not in medicine and that our hope is not in science, but our hope is in the Lord, right? And ultimately, our hope is in the fact that Jesus is gonna come again and that someday we'll be in a place where there is no sickness and where there is no death. And if we remember that, then doesn't it motivate us to share our faith with others as well? That this, this epidemic may be a tremendous opportunity to share with people who have uncertainty in their hearts about the confidence you can find in Jesus Christ. And so we're gonna take just a moment and I think it would be right for us to pray. Wouldn't you agree? So would you, whether you're here in Auditorium 1, Auditorium 2, watching online, would you bow your heads with me? We're gonna, we're gonna pray right now. And so, Father, we come to you. And Lord, the reason we, we talk to you about these things is because you are the creator. Lord, you made everything. And all the things that science doesn't know and, and experts don't know, God, you know because you are Lord and you are the creator. And so, Father, we, we bring our world to you in this moment. Lord, we ask that as your people, you would help us to respond, not, not with fear, but with faith. Lord, that with confidence, we would look to you and trust in you. And remember that you are the one who is in control. Lord, we do ask that you would protect our nation. God, we ask that you would bring healing and, and answers. God, that you would, would stop this, this sickness from having um, even greater consequences than it already has. Lord, we ask that you would protect our homes and protect our church and our families. God, we pray for those who have been impacted, for those who have lost loved ones. God, would you bring your grace to them? Lord, for those who are sick, Lord, would you bring healing to them? Father, we ask that in this moment, ultimately, you would turn people to you. Lord, we pray for our missionary family around the world, that you would not only keep them safe, but God, that you would allow this time to be in the places where you've called them, opportunities for them to shine the light of Jesus in dark times and dark places. And Lord, ultimately, our hope is in you, that one day we'll be with you in a place where there's no death, where there's no sickness, where there's no epidemics. And Lord, with that as our hope, may we share your love with others. We ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. See, we can pray that because not only is our, he our Lord who is our creator, but he's also our sustainer, the Lord, our sustainer. He's the one who strengthens us. He's the one who sustains us. He not only created us, but I believe he's still creating, and he's creating strength for us and inside of us because he sustains us. Have you ever felt like you needed some sustaining? Anybody? <laughs> you ever been in a place where you're like, God, I need some strength. Have you ever had one of those days where you say, Lord, could I just have one more hour in this day? Anybody you ever been there? Like you needed another hour in your day? Have you ever said, God, could you just give me an extra day to get stuff done? You got it yesterday. What'd you do with it? Right? <laughs> Leap day? Did it, did it change your world to get that extra day? Anybody? Nah. Because life just keeps coming, just keeps rolling. And at some point I have to say, God, I need your strength. Good for us, the Bible says that's who he is. He's the one who sustains us. God, God gets kind of a bad rap, I think, in the Old Testament. Sometimes we only think of him in a way like he's filled with wrath or like he's angry with us. There's this beautiful picture in Hosea chapter 11 that where God says he describes that, that his relationship with Israel 
was like, he says, I'm like a father who took you by the hands and helped you learn how to walk. He says, I sustained you. And there's moments where I feel like I need someone to, to hold me up while I'm moving along. Anybody else? He's the one who sustains us and he comes alongside of us because he's our Lord. Now, in just a few moments, we're gonna, we're gonna dig into some of the kind of more details or a little more just kind of specifics about this parenting thing that we're, we're gonna talk about today. But before we get there, I think it's good for us to remember that this topic is sometimes painful for some people, that it can be difficult for us to talk about, and in part because anytime you're, you're, you're addressing a group this size, odds are that there are there's some of you who are even in this moment wrestling with some issues of infertility, or maybe somewhere along the line you've walked through a miscarriage or you've lost a child. And even though these topics are, are relevant and important and scripture points us to them, they can be painful for us to talk about at times. I think about the, the life of, of King David, and we're gonna look at him a couple times in this story. Because on, on, on three or more occasions, you not only get a picture of David as a king, you know, we, we think of him as a king, or we think of him as a shepherd boy, or we think of him as a giant killer, or we think of him as the, the worshiper, but he was also David the parent. And there's a couple of times where we see David the dad in scripture. One of the first ones was when a child was born, and the child was sick, and they weren't sure if the child would live. And so for a few days, David prayed, and he fasted, and he asked God to save the child. And for whatever reason, that child did not live. And after that, David said this in, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. He says, but now that the child is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. There's not only a, a great practical truth in that, but there's a real spiritual truth in that. That someday, even those children that, that, that have been lost maybe through miscarriage or through tragedy, God says there'll be a great reunion someday that we look forward to. That there's hope we find in that. Of our loved ones that we've known, and according to that scripture, even some we haven't, that we can put our hope and our confidence in the Lord, but it leaves you with this. You kind of go, God, if, if you're my Lord and you are the creator and the sustainer, then why do these things happen sometimes? Like why sometimes do people go through seasons that are so hurtful or so frustrating or so disappointing? And as a pastor, I, I feel like I gotta have all the answers. The reality is sometimes you just say, I don't know. You ever been in that place? where you just go, there's something I want so bad and I just don't understand. I don't know, maybe a good analogy to think about this was for me to think about what it's like for me to be a dad. And there's been times when, when my kids were little when I knew that there was something that was good for them, something that was wise for them, but they didn't always see it the same way, right? Like there's times when I would go, okay, everybody, it's time to go to bed. And I had a revolt on my hands, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Or you'd, you'd give them food and you'd be like, hey, this is good for you. You should eat it. And they would say, no, <laughs> I don't want that. I don't like that. You have those moments. And as a parent, you know, I think about what I did to my mom and dad because I can, the, the picture for me is I can remember being in the store and like seeing something that I knew in my infinite six-year-old wisdom was something I needed. 
that I desperately needed, that I could not live without. Can I get an amen and somebody back me up here? Right, I needed that. And I'd say to Bob and Vera, mother, father, I would like to have that, please, because I was that kind of kid, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. And then they would know, like, hey, no, you don't, you don't need that. We don't have the money for that. It's not the right time for that. Oftentimes, it might even have been a situation where it was something I wanted for a long time, and they knew, hey, Christmas, birthday, that's something that's coming your way, but the timing's not right. The moment's not right. They knew in their wisdom what was the right thing because they were the parent who had that perspective, but from my perspective, they were just dumb. Anybody else? <laughs> right? You remember those moments? It's interesting, I look back now and I think because I've been in their shoes, I'm like, well, I understand now their perspective. I didn't see it at the time because all I saw at the time was what I wanted, which is difficult because the same thing happens between me and God. Because there's times when I go, but God, I want this. And he says, well, now's not the right time, but God, this is what you should do. And he says, well, I don't know that that's the best thing for you. And it's funny because I want my kids to trust the infinite wisdom of their father. <laughs> But sometimes it's difficult for me to trust the infinite wisdom of my heavenly father. And sometimes I've just got to step back and say, Lord, I, I know you'll help me. It's interesting. This psalm that Moses writes, and you can read it for yourself. It's, it's, it's not necessarily the happiest of psalms as you move your way through it. But he bookends it. He refers to God in verse 1 as Lord. And then in verse 17, at the end, he calls God Lord. Here's what he says, Psalm 90, verse 17. He says, may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. God, there are things in my hands that I don't know what to do with. I entrust them to you. Lord, there's work I want to do that maybe I'm frustrated with right now. God, I entrust that to you. The language that's there where he says, may the favor of our Lord, our God. That, that word favor can also be translated as the beauty. See, God sees the circumstance and he knows how to make it beautiful. In fact, we read this back in Ecclesiastes chapter three last fall when we were going through the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon wrote there that God knows how to make all things beautiful in his, anybody? <laughs> in his time. And so we trust him because he's our Lord, our sustainer, our creator. Moses says in Psalm 90 verse one, Lord, you have been our dwelling place. So let's go to the second thing. Number two, not only is he our Lord, number two, he is our dwelling place. Well, what does Moses mean when he says he is our dwelling place? Well, first, you, you got to think about where does Moses live? Moses, as he's writing this, is probably in some pretty harsh conditions. It's probably in a desert-like environment. Sometimes scripture uses the term wilderness, a place that might not always be lush and might not always be green. It's a place where you are looking for life to come to you instead of just always being around you. And as you look at that, for him to say, God, you are our dwelling place, that's an important thing to keep in mind. Because what he's saying here is, God, you are the one where we find refreshment. God, you are the one where we find protection. And we are saying, God, if you are our dwelling place, then we want you to bring those same things into our homes. I, I would challenge you to think of this from a parent's perspective. How do you allow those things to come into your home? Because sometimes we think a home is all about a building. It's all about a structure. And the bigger it is, the better it is. The more we have, the greater. The reality is it's not the size of the home, but the state of the home that matters. Isn't that true? It's not the size. It's what's going on inside 
Because you, you can have the, the nicest house you can imagine, and things can still be pretty messed up on the inside, true? So at some point, we have to say, God, you be our dwelling place. God, you bring this to our home. What, what do we want to see in our home? Well, I'll give you just two thoughts, and maybe you can pray this as parents. May our home be an oasis of refreshment. What's an oasis? Well, it's a place in the midst of a desert where you can find water, where you can find refreshment, where you can find shade, where you can find rest. And we live in a pretty wild world, don't we? <laughs> I mean, whether it's work, school, environment around us, just our culture, our homes for ourselves, for our families, can be places where God brings his refreshment to us, where he brings his grace to us. And so for those of us that, that lead our homes, parents, grandparents, what do we do to make our homes a place of refreshment? Well, for some of you, it may be a season to say, is there something in our home that does not belong here that for this to be the place that God would want it to be, something needs to change. I'm not exactly sure how it went down, but um, just recently on the other side of Cleveland, authorities realized that there was a man who for, I want to say 17 years, had had an alligator in his basement. Isn't that interesting? Like he had a tub for it, and he had this pump that ran, and he took care of it down there. And for whatever reason, he decided it was cool, so he kept an alligator in his basement for all those years. Could you imagine being the guy that goes to repair the furnace? That would freak you out, wouldn't it? Get down there, and there's Allie the gator just looking right at you. So authorities came in, and they said, sir, you don't have a license for this. And so they're relocating the alligator someplace in South Carolina, and it's going to be fine. But you just go, that doesn't belong there. It's potentially dangerous. Do you have things like that in your home? Attitudes, habits, practices, that you just step back and say, you know, if I want this to be a place where God dwells, for God's presence to fully be here, maybe there's something that shouldn't be. And, and that's talking about things that need to come out. Now let's, let's talk about things that need to come in. Can I encourage you in your attitudes, in your thoughts? And, and maybe this is the, the old man that's starting to come out in me. But can I challenge you? Enjoy the season that you're in. Like enjoy the season. Let, let, let your hope, let your heart, let your attitude, enjoy the season that you're in. Rhonda and I have, have uh, kind of been, been at that place where we're starting to enter into some new seasons as parents. Right, because we've walked through the preschool years, elementary years, middle school, high school years, and now um, two of our three are married and, and have, have left the house, and it's kind of a new season for us in this process. So you're, you're learning all these different things, and you look back on different things, and it's funny because I can remember some seasons that I don't know that I enjoyed as much as I wish I had. And I'm thankful for the advice that certain people gave us in key times that said, hey, enjoy this season of parenting. I can remember somebody telling me when the kids were little, hey, I know the days are long, but the years are short. And I wanted to say to them, I'll knock it off. I'm tired, right? You know? <laughs> but they were right because I look back on it now. But I'm thankful that, that that idea of enjoying the season because every season is so special. God wants you to know there's never a time when you're not a parent. There's never a time when you're not, as a grandparent, having that opportunity to influence. And so seize and take hold and make the most of every one of those seasons. May our home be an oasis of refreshment. And the second thought that just comes with this dwelling place idea, may our home be a place of protection. Not just a place where you can be refreshed, but a place that you know that is safe, a place that you know of protection and confidence, 
It starts by making God your dwelling place. Here's, here's what we read, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 27. Moses again, he says, the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. I love that picture. Even in the midst of chaos in your life, if God is your refuge, you know that he's holding you up with his everlasting arms. That's a good picture, isn't it? Because it doesn't always seem like it. You're not always sure. But rest assured, God's got you. His strong arms are holding you up in these moments. And so parents, make, make your home a place of protection. Not only where your children know that they are safe, but where they know that there is life and protection and guidance, sometimes that comes with boundaries and guidelines, doesn't it? Sometimes the best thing that we can do is to make sure that there is intentional discipline and and guidelines and boundaries in our home. Discipline is so essential. Now, when I say discipline, I don't don't mean punishment. You know there's a difference, right? (laughs) Punishment says, you're bad, I'm mad, and you're gonna get it. That's punishment, right? (laughs) Discipline says, look, I love you, and so we need to fix something here because as a result, it's gonna make you better, and in the long run, it's gonna strengthen our relationship. I point out another story from the life of King David because as much as David was called to be a king, a great king, some would argue the greatest king that Israel ever knew, as much as David was called to be a king, he was called to be a father as well. And in pursuing his calling to be king, he neglected his calling of father. And repeatedly what we see is that David failed to discipline his sons. He failed to speak into their lives to the point that there's one passage in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 6, speaking of his son Adonijah, where it says that David had never rebuked him by saying, why do you behave as you do? I don't know if David was trying to be the good guy. I don't know if David was just too busy. I don't know if David was afraid that there'd be fallout for whatever reason. Maybe he was just clueless. I don't know. But David failed to discipline his sons. And as a result, his sons went ways that were unwise to the point that there's stories in scriptures of three of them that went down unwise paths. And as a result, all three of them lost their lives. Look, for us as parents to intentionally say, I am gonna come alongside of you and I'm gonna give you guidance and I'm gonna know who your friends are and I'm gonna know what you're doing on social media and I'm gonna be in a place where I help you to know right from wrong and I'm gonna introduce you to the truths of God's word and help you to live according to those things. That's not meddling, that's not taking away, that's giving them life, is it not? That's allowing your home to be a place of protection. And I'm also very confident to know that it's tricky. Like I, I think on a daily basis, I watch and I go, man, it's not easy parenting. Like there's so many factors that come in. That's why this parenting conference is really important for us that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. It's why we reduce the price. That's why we're talking about it today. If you have a child at home, you're a parent, you're a grandparent, one day you want to be, or you have influence in some way, please come out and be a part of this. The the workshops are stacked. You are gonna have a hard time deciding which one to go to. And our speakers, Scotty Gibbons, Scotty and Casey Gibbons will be with us. Scotty is uh, an old friend of mine from Bible college days. He is one of the best communicators I know. You are gonna love Scotty and you're not gonna wanna miss this because we want your home to be a place where God dwells. And here's the deal. When God is where we dwell, then where we dwell is blessed. (laughs) 
When God is where we dwell, then where we dwell is blessed. Which is why Moses said, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Throughout all generations. I don't, I don't know your story. I, I don't know what your family background is like. There's probably some things that you can maybe look back to your parents or grandparents and you can go, maybe there were habits or attitudes or practices or addictions or thought patterns that have moved from one generation up to another, and they can be things, and maybe you call it baggage, maybe you call it issues, maybe you call it challenges, maybe you call it blessings, but there are things from one generation that move to another, and here's what's so essential for you to know. No matter what your past, you can bless your family's future. I think for some of us, we wonder, you know, with everything that's happened in my past or my family's past, what does that mean for next generations? And I'll tell you, no matter what your past, you can bless your family's future. God can begin that through you. That, honestly, that's a huge part of why we're moving forward with this expanded auditorium. Not only because we want to reach more people today, not because there's too many lost people today, but because I've seen story after story after story. I watched it in the atrium a couple of weeks ago as a couple little guys ran around after service, and I thought to myself how much their lives have changed since their parents' lives have changed. When, when people are reached with the gospel, it doesn't just change today, it changes future generations, does it not? Look, let me, let me give you an example of this, because the way that you live your life today is going to echo into future generations. Like the words you speak, the relationship you have with God is going to echo in, in, into your children and your grandchildren and generations after that. I'll give you a biblical example. So we've looked at David in the loss of a child, and we've looked at David in some of his struggles as a parent, but I want to show you a big picture with King David. Look at this, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. God and David had this very special relationship, and it wasn't exclusive. I believe God can, can have a same kind of similar relationship with me and with you, and God says this, look, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. See, there was something special that, that God knew that David loved God and that David served him. And so God not only showed favor to David, but there was a time when David's son Solomon messed up. And then, and then David's son Solomon not only messed up, but then Solomon's son was gonna mess up as well. And in the process of this, here's what God said. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 12, he's talking to Solomon here, and he says, nevertheless, Solomon, because you're super cool and I think you're good looking. Is that what God said? <laughs> no, he says, nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your lifetime. I'll tear the kingdom out of the hand of your son, yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. God's favor, even favor that was undeserved, went to Solomon and his son Rehoboam, not because of anything that they did, but it came to them because it was an echo of David's relationship that moved into future generations. As you read through the Old Testament at least four more times, probably more, but at least four more times, you're going to see this echo happen where there is this situation, either one where God shows mercy or one where God shows his power, and God comes alongside and he says, can I tell you the reason I'm doing this? It's not because of you. <laughs> I'm doing this because of David. 
Because the way he lived is echoing into your life into future generations. The last one that we find is about 350 years after David was the king. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 4. Hezekiah is the king. He's got an illness and he's got an enemy. And Isaiah comes, the prophet Isaiah comes and gives him bad news. And as Isaiah is walking away from Hezekiah, it says this. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people. This is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord, and I'll add 15 years to your life. Then I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. Then I will defend this city for, the sake, for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Do you see that? 350 years later, David's walk with God is echoing into the lives of his children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and on and on. I, I stress this, that my potential with God today has the potential to bless my family in the future, not just because it's a cool biblical concept, but honestly, because I don't believe I'd be standing here if it wasn't for it. This is a, this is a picture of, of Robert Benjamin Gilligan, my grandpa that I want to show you a picture of here. This is him, his wife Agnes. They're holding their firstborn child, Alice Marie. She suffered some brain trauma at birth. And although she lived to be 23, she never developed uh, past the, the, the mentality and the physical ability of a six-month-old. So they spent 23 years caring in a very um, strong way for Alice. And then they had some more kids. Here's, here's the next picture. Then, then uh, there's RB, my grandpa, and Agnes. And then they're holding Alice right below on the right. That's, that's Carl, the third child. And then the, the one on the left, making the funny face, that's Robert Eugene Gilligan, my dad. That silliness like skips a generation, I, I, I think, I'm pretty sure. Next picture, they, they kept having a growing family, and Carolyn and Bill were added. That house that is behind them is one that was just a shell of a home. There was hardly anything there when they moved out there with their growing family. My grandpa built it up, worked hard on it. He, he was a master plasterer. It's a craft that has been lost. There's public buildings in Warren, Ohio that you can still go into and see the craftsmanship that was, that was plastered on those walls by R.B. Gilligan. I grew up in a home where he and my dad did all the plaster work, craftsman work, crown molding all around all the rooms. I wish that when I was a kid I had recognized how special that was, right? Here's a picture of him and my grandma in their, in their later years. He worked as a master plasterer. He died of emphysema because he had breathed in all that plaster dust for years. He loved his family. He cared for a special needs child. He served in his local church. He, he taught, he was a, a board member in the church. I don't have a whole lot of memories. He um, passed away when I was six years old, but I can remember going over to their house. I grew up living right next door to my grandma and grandpa and they'd, they'd watch me a lot. I can remember him just sitting in his chair and making me laugh. I can remember him saying, come on, let's, let's jump. He had an old beat up blue pickup truck. We'd get up in, in the pickup truck and we'd drive into Warren and we'd go to the hot dog shop and worship there together. It was wonderful. 
Like I can remember that so clearly. This is my favorite picture, this, this last one here, um, where he's just, isn't he a bad man standing there like that? I love that picture. My grandma would tell stories about how he'd sit in that chair and he'd open his Bible. She'd tell me how many times he had read the Bible through and how important scripture was and how he had prayed for me and for my, my cousins, for our family. And I know that there are things that are happening in my life. I saw a picture just the other day that my mom had just found that, that was an old, an old family picture that had my grandma, Agnes, and she was standing out in front of the first Pentecostal church in Warren, Ohio, with a whole group of ladies. And there was my dad as a toddler just standing there. And I'm so thankful for that heritage of family that has prayed for me. Here's what I know. I know there is blessing that is in my life, not because of my life. I know that there's blessing in my life because that guy prayed for me. And because my aunt and uncle prayed for me. And because my mom and dad prayed for me. And because Rhonda's folks have prayed for us. I know that there are blessings in the lives of my kids that have nothing to do with any of us. They're echoes from God's relationship in people's lives from past generations. And here's what I want you to know. The way that you live today is going to echo into the future. It's going to make a difference in the lives of your kids and of your grandkids because God is faithful. And as you trust in him today, it's going to make a difference for generations to come. Do you believe that? So I'm going to ask you to stand today and we're going to wrap up in prayer. I, I want to pray for, through a few things. Before we pray, though, I want us to put our focus on the God who is faithful from generation to generation. Patrick's going to lead us again in that song that we sang a few moments ago where we said, God, you're faithful you are and faithful forever you will be. And as we sing this in these next few moments, the things that have resonated maybe with you in these last few moments, would you just say, God, would you be faithful in my life as we trust in you? Let's sing this song and make it our prayer. You are. Sing that with me. Say, say faithful forever. it again faithful you are take a few moments to pray. Here's a, the first area in which I want to pray. How many, and this is no, no matter who you are, no matter what your, your, your stage of life, how many would say, God, I need you to sustain me right now. I need some strength. Just raise your hand and just say, God, I need that. I need that. Whether you're here, you're in auditorium too, you're watching us on a screen somewhere. Father, we come to you. Lord, you see our raised hands. And Lord, on the promises of your word, God, we look to you. Lord, would you sustain us? God, would you strengthen us? Lord, in the day and time in which we live, in the circumstances that we face, Father, would you come alongside of us and let us know your strength and let us know your grace. Father, would you sustain us in these moments, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Here's, here's what I want to do. These next, these next couple of moments, I want to pray for our homes. 
I want to pray in, in some, some unique ways. And so uh, if, this, if this prayer applies to you, would you just kind of grab hold of this as I pray it? If it doesn't, would you pray for those along with me that we're praying for? And let's, let's, just, let's just pray through this. Father, we do come to you and we thank you for your word. Lord, your word, this is not only you, our Lord, but you're our dwelling place. And so, Father, we want our homes to be a place where you dwell. And Lord, today we feel led to... to to pray in particular for our families. God, I pray first for those who may be in a season where they're wrestling with infertility, or God, maybe they're struggling with the loss of a child. And Lord, there's hurt and there's pain and there's disappointment and there's frustration. And Lord, there's these seasons, we don't always understand it, we don't know why there are things in our hearts that we don't see coming to fruition. Father, I pray that your grace would be with them today. Lord, that your strength would come alongside of them. Father, that in the midst of frustration or, or grief, would you comfort. Lord, knowing that as we trust in you, you, our Lord, are our creator and our sustainer. And Heavenly Father, we put our hope in you. Father, we pray for marriages today. In fact, if you're, if you're standing next to your spouse, would you just take them by the hand right now? Lord, we pray for our marriages today. Lord, in a world where, where that relationship is so challenged and there's so many questions, temptations, Father, would you strengthen our marriages? Lord, for those that may even be in a point of struggle today, questions of how things are going to move forward or how do we get past this issue or, or will this marriage last, Lord, would you bring your grace into those homes? Father, I pray for our single parents today. Moms and dads who, who, are, who in so many ways are doing this thing by themselves. God, would you strengthen them? Would you come alongside of them? Would you let them know that you, God, are their partner? Father, I, I pray for those that are in difficult seasons of parenting. Maybe it's just a time of, of exhaustion. Lord, maybe it's, it's walking with a child with special needs. Lord, maybe it's a season of health challenges or, or, or of rebellion or of questions or maybe a place of estrangement. God, I ask that you would step into each one of these issues. God, would you restore relationships? Would you bring healing not just to bodies but to families? Would you give parents wisdom and would you give them strength? God, in every season, Lord, we, we pray for the, the parents of preschoolers, God, that you would give them supernatural stamina. God, we pray for those raising elementary age children that you'd give them insight to know how to train them up in the way of the Lord. Lord, we pray for wisdom for parents of middle school and high school students to know how to guide them in these times of huge decision-making and challenges and, and learning how to navigate culture with a love for Jesus in their heart. Lord, we pray for parents with children that are entering into adulthood and guiding them. Lord, we pray for grandparents, especially those that are grandparents who are raising grandchildren. Lord, would you come alongside of them? Give them your strength. Lord, help us in these seasons to let our homes be oases of refreshment, to be places of protection. And Father, in this moment, we speak words of blessing that we believe will echo into future generations. God, we believe that the way we live today, that the way we trust you today is going to resonate into the lives of our children and our grandchildren. We rest in your promises and we trust in you as we worship you here today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness say I will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness say I will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness and I will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness say I will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness and I will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness faithful say faithful you are faithful forever you will be faithful you are all your promises all your promises are yes and sing that with confidence all your promises Father, we rest in your promises. We put our confidence in you. Lord, may we know your blessing in our homes and families. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. So we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Go in his special favor and his wonderful peace. See you next Sunday.